KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Millions of Americans deal with anxiety, and much about anxiety is a mystery. But recently, researchers from the universities of Bristol and Exeter in the UK released some fascinating research which could lead to a better understanding of the neural roadmap behind feelings of anxiety, and more importantly, eventually maybe help provide a better toolkit for treating it. Now, this all sounded fascinating, so we reached out to Dr. Nathan Baird. He is an associate professor of biochemistry at St. Joseph's University to learn more. What's really special about this study is it identifies a previously unknown molecular event that is responsible for responding to stressful environments. I'm Matt Leon, and in this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth, a look at some exciting research into anxiety. So as we start, this research to me as a layman seems fascinating. Uh, As someone who studies a lot of this On the molecular level, how exciting is this research from your standpoint? Yeah, Matt, you know, um, as I read the study, I was really impressed. And the, the idea that came to my mind was this idea of soup to nuts. This study really looks at going from behaviors in mice down to the molecular interactions that are essentially dictating and or guiding those behaviors in a way that connects many of the dots. So we could think of an analogy might be, for example, in our house, and there's a thunderstorm outside. Well, the good news is, as long as we don't have a leak in our roof, we feel comfortable and safe in our house. It's not going to significantly change our behaviors. But let's say we're having a minor leak outside. We see the storm coming. We are going to respond to it. And there are going to be actions we do inside of our house to get a bucket, to, to respond to all of the changes. And what these scientists have done is they've looked at what are the molecular level changes that are happening inside a particular region of the brain in response to stress as a way to say, okay, how are these pathways regulating anxiety and or how is the, in this case, mouse responding to anxiety inducing situations and can that be regulated at a very specific point? In other words, the one bucket that is put under the drip point. Had things been trending in this direction as far as this research, and this is something that people felt we kind of, we might think it would go in this direction, we just weren't able to connect the points? Or is this kind of a whole new world as far as this type of research on anxiety is concerned? Yeah, so so let me use a brief quote from the authors themselves of the study and then kind of unpack it a little bit. They say, quote, Limited success in developing effective anxiolytic drugs, that is, anti-anxiety drugs, it stems from insufficient knowledge of the neural circuits of anxiety and molecular events underpinning stress-related neuropsychiatric states. What does all that mean? It effectively means that when we want to be able to understand how anti-anxiety drugs function, we need to understand the circuits in the brain, and we specifically need to understand not only those circuits, but the pieces that are um, giving rise to the functions of those circuits. So we can think of, I would say it this way, we can think of structures and we can think then of functions. And we need to be able to link those two things together. And that's one of the limiting factors here in studies for anti-anxiety drugs. And this study here has begun to link one of those, those structures that gives rise to functions that gives rise to behaviors. They've drawn that direct line between an animal behavior and specific molecules in brain cells. 
So how big is this in the big picture? Is this a huge step forward on the road to, if not curing anxiety, putting significant dent in how it affects millions of people? Is this a a small step? Is this to be determined? Kind of where would you kind of place what this research has shown? So coming back to the broader scope of understanding the brain and neural circuits involved in anxiety, there are many pathways that researchers are exploring. So this is what's really special about this study is it identifies a previously unknown molecular event that is responsible for responding to stressful environments. And so what it does is now it, it identifies, oh, this could be a pathway that could be explored even further to understand how it is regulating a stress response and anxiety response. So it open up, opens up a, a specific, let's look here, coming back to my analogy of a, a thunderstorm coming, and we know we have the one leaky spot in our roof, we know we need to take the bucket and put it over there. We've kind of identified, oh, that's the point that might be a, a, an important regulating uh, a specific location. Let's put the bucket there. So I think that the authors say uh, towards the end of their paper, their study, they say, oh, okay, now we can look more deeply into this one as a way to explore anti-anxiety uh, therapeutics. Can you kind of give us the a quick rundown of the study? And I know it folk, you referenced earlier it focused on mice and you've kind of you've done a great job of kind of taking us through it. But what what did they specifically do? Right. So when I mentioned a little bit ago about soup to nuts, uh, what I want to do is I, I want to kind of give you a description. I was I was taking some notes on the paper overall on the study, and I, I kind of summarized it this way. There's a stress-inducing experience that the mice were were put in, and that is kind of they were restrained for a period of time, and that's, that's stress-inducing. After that, they're placed into um, something called an elevated plus maze. The elevated plus maze, we can think of it this way, a mouse in general does not want to be seen, so they won't go into open areas. And this elevated plus maze puts them on basically something like a cross. There's a path, there are two paths that are open and two paths that are kind of enclosed. They would much rather be in the enclosed space because they feel safer there, not out in the open. But if their stress is reduced, they'll spend more time exploring the open spaces. And so effectively, what, what was done is control mice and uh, mice who were induced with some, some stress of uh, restraints, they were then put into this elevated plus maze and observed how they responded. And they responded as would be expected. The ones who had stressed spent more time in the enclosed space where they would feel safer. What, the, what these researchers then did is they wanted to say, okay, in our brains, in animals' brains, How do we respond to threats? In our amygdala, we have the fight or flight response. And so what they did is they wanted to look in the the mice amygdala, uh, uh, a specific region of the brain in the amygdala, and they actually wanted to look at a very specific sub-region to say, can we begin to understand at the uh, molecular level, at the cell and molecular level, what is the response that's going on for these mice in response to stress? So they look at expression of certain uh, what are called microRNAs. These are small RNAs that are important in regulating uh, various processes in, in cells, protein expression, for example. And these microRNAs have been known to be involved in uh, uh, various aspects of neuronal plasticity, as well as neuropsychiatric disorders, as ones of regulating different proteins. But as I mentioned a few minutes ago, there's a sense of which pathways and or which proteins are important, where might we want to focus our therapeutic efforts. So they wanted to go, as I was describing, from the mouse behavior 
down into a specific region of the brain, the amygdala, the fight or flight, down into a specific subregion of the uh, amygdala, excuse me, the basolateral subregion. And then they wanted to go and say, okay, well, which molecules are alternatively expressed uh, and specifically which microRNA molecules are, are alternatively expressed in the brains of the stressed mice versus the unstressed mice. And they found a series of microRNAs that were upregulated or increased following the stress. And they began to look at them, okay, which ones of these might have pathways and or proteins that are involved in responses? Again, it's kind of an open question. It's a search and identify. And so they found a series of microRNAs. They focused it down in on one microRNA. That one microRNA has several different gene targets. And ultimately, they found that its targeting of one specific protein called PGAP2 can directly correlate to uh, morphological changes to the neuronal cells, as well as behavioral changes of the mouse itself. We do the experiments on mice. How does that translate to humans? I'm imagining that's a pretty big path you've got to travel to to find if it's the same with humans or if the blueprint can be adjusted for humans, no? Right. And so one of the things these researchers wanted to do was to look at what we call uh, conservation of these proteins and or these microRNAs. Is this microRNA, for for all of our benefit, I'll just describe what it is. Uh, I'll describe its name. It is MIR or M-I-R 483-5P. And for for all of us general users out there, we say, what does that mean? Uh, These are all given numbers and classified in certain ways. And ultimately, they say that that microRNA, MIR483-5P, targets a specific protein, PGAP2. It wasn't previously known that PGAP2 was involved in something like stress response. So this is a very new finding itself. The the correlation of MIR483-5P and its interaction with PGAP2 is a new molecular interaction that they've correlated with Uh, neuronal cells and behaviors. What they did then was they asked the question, is this microRNA and is this protein PGAP2 conserved in other animals? And they find that it is. So in that sense, there there can be a more direct connection to say, oh, this might be something we want to explore for human therapeutic development as well. We need to take a break. We will have more with Dr. Nathan Baird of St. Joseph's University right after this. This is KYW News Radio In-Depth. And we are back on KW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with St. Joseph's University's Dr. Nathan Baird. So basically, if this research continues, we continue to get positive results and get more understanding of kind of the links in this chain. To the average person who deals with anxiety, how could this eventually help them? It would just, we could develop drugs that specifically target that interaction and help it along is that is that kind of the the uh, the hope of the end game yeah a really rigorous drug development will look not only at some sort of therapeutic uh, improvement but also the molecular details of how that drug is being done and that is one way that we can better understand things like side effects if we can describe and refine the drug specifically to interact with a, a specific molecule uh, in the body then we can avoid potentially off targets and, and side effects for example so What these researchers have done is said, here's a target. This microRNA and this protein PGAP2, we now have something we can focus on and look at. 
One thing I will say, though, Matt, is that these researchers um, highlighted the fact that it wasn't known before that PGAP2 was an important member or, or, or molecule in kind of this machine within the neurons, and specifically within the in, in response to stresses. And so what they say is we really need to understand all of the downstream molecules that PGAP2 is interacting with, because that's that's right now, that's the missing knowledge. So this was a significant advancement. Stress, part of the brain amygdala, subpart of the amygdala, specific molecules. Okay, this microRNA targeting this protein, but what happens after that protein? In other words, what does that protein, what is the next link in the, in the pathway, if you will? Uh, let's go back to the the, the rainy roof uh, analogy. Let's say that there's several different leaking spots in the roof. We have the whole family on board. We need to communicate. Hey, you know, spouse, hey, child, go get that one. Go get a new bucket. And so after PGAP2, it's not yet known what that protein is doing to other pieces within the neurons to alter its function. Um, so interestingly, there might be opportunities to explore the specific microRNA 435P interaction with PGAP2. There might be more opportunities as, ex as researchers explore, oh, we should focus on PGAP2 and see its downstream effects. How is it directly impacting the morphology that is the shape of the neurons? And that's the function of the neurons. Because again, our behaviors, our responses, are, are essentially chemical responses in our brains are leading us to our various actions. And when it's fight or flight, those neurons in the amygdala are firing and synapsing in certain ways that now we can begin to understand uh, perhaps at a deeper level with regards to the role of PGAP2 and either PGAP2 itself or its downstream interactors, which we'd still need to identify more thoroughly, could be targets. So all that being said, we are still a long ways away from having a drug come out, utilizing these findings and, and the doors that this has opened to, to help people with anxiety, right? I mean, this is a very big breakthrough, but the real world everyday effects were still a long ways away. The field of discovering anti-anxiety drugs is not, has not yet focused on this specific pathway. And so, yes, typically when a basic science uh, uh, approach like this Again, going from basic animal studies down to molecular interactions, that's in a really important step to define what is a, a target or a focus for the future. We're not yet at, oh, yes, now we know this one. Now we can explain the activity of such and such drug. But we can say, oh, now we know this pathway and this interaction is very important. Let's see what we can do to specifically target that pathway. So, yes, this is a, a really a large breakthrough on the basic science level. And opens up some specific, again, it would almost be coming back to the, the, the thunderstorm and, and, and uh, leaky roof analogy. It would almost be as if, if you're not in your attic, you don't know specifically where the hole is. You're just seeing it come down your one wall, for example. And so you're saying, I've got a problem in this wall. Well, the reality is the problem is, you know, in the roof in the attic. Let's go, oh, now I know I don't just need to redo the drywall here. I need to get up into the attic and I need to find where that source is so we can focus our efforts there and, and explore which parts of that pathway, you know, how can we repair that roof? And there are many different ways to repair the roof, if you will, using the analogy, uh, with regards to looking at this pathway of MIR 435P with PGAP2. Big picture, past just specifically targeting anxiety. There's a ton we don't know about how our brains work, isn't there? Like there, there's just so many frontiers to be examined that we still have a long ways to go just overall in understanding the kind of the why and the how in the brain, no? 
Yeah, I think several years ago, the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, put together a long-term plan to really explore um, really the brain. And I believe it's the B-R-A-I-N initiative. Um, I don't remember what each of those letters stand for, but it's effectively saying um, neuroscience and exploration and understanding the functions of the brain is really a critical and important next frontier. And so I would say if we go back, you know, 100 years, anxiety might not have been something that was even talked about that much. It might have been kind of like, well, let's just go along. I would say in my lifetime, it has shifted from you don't necessarily talk about anxiety to nowadays, if someone's experiencing anxiety, they might feel more comfortable sharing that with family or friends. And so in, a, in the same way, then we have opportunities to explore scientifically. This is an important piece. This is, this is a topic of importance that we see in society. It's in the popular discourse. What are the things that we as scientists can contribute to um, understanding and or ameliorating uh, uh, such things as, as anxiety. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.